Daniel chapter 2. Look at verse number 20. Number 20. The Bible said, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. And we're going to uh, just look at a maybe teachy preachy sermon here uh, this this afternoon and uh, just four questions when you're trying to figure out how to what 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 do I need to do what is right what's wrong four questions that you can ask to help you determine what is the right thing to do or what's the right way to head and we look here God's the one that has all wisdom and might God determines how things are going to work. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings, sets them up, gives wisdom to the wise, gives knowledge to those that know understanding. So, of course, we're going to, it'd be good to to base these questions on what God knows and what God says. But we'll look at that here this morning. Yeah, let's pray and we'll we'll get into the message today. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. I'm thankful for every uh, young man, young lady that's chosen to come to this college and prepare for ministry. And God, I pray that you would, you would use them. And, and Lord, that you'd stir and work in their hearts here. Lord, there might be several different reasons that, that different people have come. But Lord, while they're here, Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd uh, minister to their heart. Your spirit would work on them, lead them, guide them. Lord, in your will, I pray that, Lord, they be open, their heart be open to whatever, Lord, you would have for them and, and your plan for their life. Lord, I pray that you'd work in uh, hearts here this morning. Lord, give me your power. Lord, as I preach your word today, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And let me read to you some scripture here just to set the tone about God. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So Jesus has all power. He is in control. And uh, he is the ultimate authority, not just in this world, not just in your life, but in every life that has been, every life that will be, this world and the world to come, the the physical realm and the spiritual realm. Jesus is in charge. Everything everything listens to him, goes by his word. 1 Peter 3.22 said, who is gone? Jesus gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And Ephesians 1 verse 19 says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, any government, any any ruler, any king you could you could ever imagine or ever find in history or in the future, Jesus is over them. Jesus is in charge. He's he is far above, not just not just right above, far above all other authorities that you can find. Every he's far above every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come. The Jehovah's Witnesses say Michael the Archangel is Jesus. No, dear friend, Jesus is far above even Michael the Archangel. He's the good God most high. Said he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. In Philippians 2.9 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. 
1 Corinthians 15, 27, for he hath put all things under his feet. Now, if we can't get the point or see the picture of what the Bible's trying to tell us, Jesus is in charge. He's in charge. God is in charge. So some people might respond, well, it's my life. Now, if you're a Christian, you got to quit talk like that. You did not learn that from the Bible. Well, it's my life. I can do whatever I want. No, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Why? For ye were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Well, it's my life. It's my decision. No, it's God's. It's God, your God's, especially if you're born again uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been bought with a price. You are the Lord's. You're Jesus Christ. He, uh, your life is what he wants it to be. You didn't learn my life philosophy from the Bible. You didn't learn it from Christ. You learned that from this world, maybe in some kind of crazy movie or, or crazy music or social media influencer or something like that. That's where people learn that from. But they didn't get it from the Bible. If you're born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, then you are God's. You're not your own. If you are not born again, then you are of your father, the devil, who is the God of this wicked world system. So we have to stop believing that we are living our own life and we are so powerful. All authority and power has been given to Jesus Christ. He's in charge. So we should want to know what he thinks and what he says, because he's the one that's in charge. In our system of government, the Bible says, uh, uh, we are in our system of government here in America, we have what's called the checks and balances structure of government. Do you all do that in America's biblical heritage? And, and uh, so we're gonna, uh, we're gonna cheat sheet here. I'm gonna give it to you in advance, all right? They have divided the authority of government into three branches. Everybody know what those branches are? legislative, they create the laws, executive, they administer the laws, judicial, judges uh, judge behavior according to those laws. God performs all three roles. Now we divide the power into different groups so that no one group or one man has all the ultimate power. Why? Because whenever you do that, he becomes a dictator and sinful man begins to destroy and kill people. You want to divide that power up. But with God, you can trust him with all the power in the world. Why? God is holy. He's just, he has the perfect balance of love and justice, of mercy and truth. You can trust God to have all that power. The Bible says he performs all three roles. He creates the laws, administers the laws, and judges by the laws. The Bible says, Isaiah 33, 22, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. He will save us. So here's four questions to ask when trying to determine if something is right and wrong. Now remember, God is, is ultimate, uh, ultimately in charge. He is the ultimate authority. So the very first question we should ask is, is it biblical? Is it biblical? Now, what should I do here? Well, here's the question. Does the Bible say anything about it at all? I mean, anywhere close. Does it say anything remotely about the issue that you're trying to decide what is right and wrong? Unfortunately, I believe many people come to these, these ideas that the world offers them and they, they, they try to rationalize it or think about it or use logic. But understand that the very first question you should ask is, is it biblical? What does the Bible say about this particular thing? 
I had a, a young man come in and they were talking about tattoos. He said, well, uh, what, what does the Bible say? Uh, or, or no, he said, uh, what's, what's, what's wrong with it? Why can't we get tattoos? I said, well, the first question I ask is, does the Bible say anything at all? You know, the Bible does say something about making marks on your body and it never mentions it positively. Yeah. It mentions it negatively. You say, well, that's in the Old Testament, brother. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. If God says something about it and we see anything remotely about his opinion at all, then we should say, well, I can see God's attitude toward this and it's not very positive. It's a negative attitude. Hey, alcohol, does the Bible say anything at all about alcohol? It says a whole lot about it. And when you begin to read, you throw social drinking out the window. You can just, you can just get rid of that because when you start to read what the Word of God says, don't even look at it. What turneth red in the cup? Don't even look at it when it starts to go alcohol. Don't even, don't even look at it. Don't smell it. Don't think about it. And you know what kind of crazy things alcohol does? At the end, it biteth like the serpent. You see, these are the questions that, that we should ask if we're trying to figure out what should we do in life? How should I raise my family? How should I, how, how should I behave in my, in my classroom or in my dorm room? Does the Bible say anything about it at all? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. The Bible makes, that's a simple one. The Bible makes it really easy. I'll say the Bible talks about a lot of different subjects. A lot of people will fuss. The Bible doesn't say anything about what you should wear. Are you kidding me? In the very first three chapters, it starts talking about people in clothes. They weren't wearing them. And then when they sinned, they were ashamed that they weren't wearing them and they tried to put some on. Now, I would question anybody's trying to get you to put less on. If we've just got to ask the simple question, does the Bible say anything about it at all? You don't think the Bible says anything about dancing? There's good dancing and bad dancing in the Bible. You don't think the Bible says anything about music? You can find instances of good music and bad music. Music that influences for good and music that influences for evil. There's, uh, there's all kinds. Uh, uh, the Bible addresses every subject imaginable in life. Is all do, uh, does, I don't think the Bible says anything about social media. Well, of course it does. A fool uttereth all his mind. In there. Right. A wise man, well, he keeps it until afterwards, right? Uh, someone that, uh, that meddles with matters not belonging to him. It's like a man that takes a dog by the ears. The Bible has all kinds of things to say about how we interact with each other. Even social media. It doesn't need, uh, uh, the Bible is current and up to date. You can just trust that. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, which means make God your authority, and depart from evil. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. The best question to ask when you're starting out, is it biblical? Does the Bible say anything about it at all? Psalm 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. All right, here's the next question. Is it natural? Is it natural? You know, it's not wrong to look at nature and how it works as an authority. The Bible is the ultimate authority, but God is the creator of nature and nature's laws. Two plus two equals four. You reap what you sow. If you plant corn, you get corn. 
You understand that the laws of nature were created by God. You can learn a lot about the mind of God from observing how he has ordered the universe and established its natural laws. Jesus would use nature to illustrate spiritual truths all the time, wouldn't he? A tree, he said, when you see the tree blossoming, it's the signs of summer. And he would use that as an illustration. When you see the signs of the end times coming, that means I'm about to come back. I am about to return and set up my kingdom. He said, you see the signs in the sky and you won't go out on the lake because you see the signs in the sky. And he would use that as an illustration uh, of you see the signs uh, uh, that the Bible has predicted of my coming, yet you won't believe in me. And he would use these uh, laws of nature, these natural things to illustrate spiritual things. You reap what you sow. What you plant is what grows. Let's look at Romans chapter 2 and verse number 14. Here's the question. Is it natural? Does it feel right? Does something just feel off? You've got some dorm mates and something's just off about them, isn't it? No, I'm just kidding here. Yeah, oh, 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 oh. I'm getting too close to home. I got to back off. All right. Romans 2:14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do what? By nature, the things contained in the law. There's, there's groups out in the jungles. They think stealing's wrong. They think adultery's wrong. They think murder's wrong. They think lying is wrong. By nature, God has put a conscience within man to, by nature, just know that some things are just not right. There's something not right about murder, and there's something not right about lying, and there's something not right about adultery and stealing, something not right about envy and, and all of these things. There's just something wrong. Having not the law, they're a law unto themselves, verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Bible, I believe, points that the conscience is that seat of conviction. The conscience is the connection between your head and your heart. What you hear in your head, the conscience delivers to your heart, and it, and it brings conviction in the heart. Those thoughts that accuse or excuse when you hear a truth being preached. The problem with the conscience is that it can be trained and corrupted to do evil, to where it doesn't feel anything. You see, that's why we have to have the Bible. Now, I do believe that a good conscience, the Bible talks about a good conscience, one that's been well trained by the Bible to discern evil, and there's a, a pure conscience, but uh, I think there's also, the Bible refers to a seared conscience, where the Bible says in 1 Timothy 4.1, says, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You see, there's some people that take these wicked ideas of the world and they begin to, they begin to consider them and it sears their conscience. And I've talked to many people and I'll say, well, the Bible says this. And they say, well, I just, I don't get convicted about it. Well, I don't care if you get convicted if the Bible says something about it. Now, if you have a good conscience, I've been in conferences before and, and uh, I, I just felt out of place. You ever been in, maybe you go to a restaurant or something like that, and you soon it's a bar atmosphere, and there's music everywhere, and you, you just, I actually, just about everywhere I go in the world, I feel out of place. I go in the mall, and everyone's dressed like 
you know, pin cushions or whatever. And I think, man, I feel out of place. I feel out of place. But you can train your conscience where you don't feel anything. Well, I don't feel bad about that. Listen, dear friend, you can sear your conscience, scar your conscience where you can't feel like you should. That's why the first question, is it biblical? But it's okay to ask the question, is it natural? Your conscience sometimes reveals things that it's just not natural. Uh, regardless, there are some things that uh, uh, this world even recognizes as not natural. Now, I'm just telling you something, I, I don't know about you, but shouldn't you be able to look at a guy in short shorts and just say, there's just something ain't natural about that. Yeah, you know, really had it in your book. Man, I walked in Target, I stayed in there for about uh, 30 seconds uh, a few months ago, and I walked right out. Some, some big muscle guy came in there, and he had on the stretch tightest shorty shorts I've ever seen in my life, and I, just, I had to go so I could throw up in the trash cans outside. It was disgusting. I don't say it's any more right when a girl does it, but I'm telling you, uh, these guys that run around trying to be like these women, and uh, they're just something that's not natural about it. You know, when guys go and they say, hey, how you doing? Girls don't talk like that. You ever notice that? These guys that, that become effeminate, it's like, by the way, if, if, if you like men, why do you date the girliest guy that you could ever find? But anyways, uh, they're all confused. Because it's not natural. It's not natural. There's something not natural about two men holding hands and, uh, to, and trying to get married. It's not natural. It's not natural for two women to, to get into a relationship, try to get married. Even the world, people who are unbelievers sometimes will say, yeah, I don't believe in that. You know, in Kentucky, when they first did the marriage amendment, 70% of people voted against homosexual marriage here in Kentucky. The same percentage that are against transgenders being in sports, by the way, but the world will work on that until, until people are for that, okay with that as, as well. But don't you just look at some things like abortion and say, just something ain't right. There's unbelievers that look at that and say, there's just something not right about that. The, the transgender, a man becoming, I mean, you just look at that. The, the, you look at a man wearing makeup and a dress and you think, man, there's, there's just something not right about that. And you look at a woman that's doing the opposite. She's got a tapered haircut and she's sitting here talking like that. There's just something not right about it. It's not natural. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. Now again, be careful because your conscience can be trained to be okay with those things. So we start off, is it biblical? And we always come back to, is it biblical? But if you get well-trained in the truth of the Word of God, it'll develop a good conscience to where you'll be in, in this, you know, you, you just don't feel right. You feel wrong doing certain things. You know, young person, if you feel wrong listening to rock music, that's good. If you get convicted when you're watching things you shouldn't, that's good. Don't get rid of that conscience. That's a good conscience. Don't get rid of that natural feeling. 1 Corinthians eleven thirteen. Judge in yourselves, Paul says. Is it calmly that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself, Paul told them to judge. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it's a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Isn't it amazing that when a guy wants to be a woman, what's the first thing he does? I mean, if it, he grows his hair out and he's still an ugly looking guy with long hair, but he, he's trying to look as much as he can like a woman. Now, nature teaches you 
Nature even teaches you what, what a woman is and what a man is. There are things that we see that go against nature. Let me, let me move on here. Is it functional? Is it functional? Let me ask this question. Not a bombastic message, but let me tell you, is it functional? Does it work? That's, a, that's an easy question to ask. If somebody's trying to get you to do church a certain way, ask the question, does that way work? What are you trying to accomplish? We're trying to raise up holy, separated from the world unto God so that we can reach the world with the gospel of Christ. We're trying to keep the gospel from getting watered down uh, and we're trying to keep from going off in, into all kinds of different doctrines and false ideas and beliefs. And we're trying to reach as many people we can with the truth of the word of God. Let me just say liberalism and worldliness doesn't work. It never has. Rock and roll church just doesn't work. They say, why don't, hey, preacher, why don't you put a band in the church? And we, we change the music. You know why? Because it doesn't work. They've been trying it now for the last 50, 60, 70 years. It hasn't worked, and it won't ever work. It waters down the truth, and it waters down the believer. And there are many people in churches across America, maybe, uh, probably not even saved because they've never been taught the true gospel of Jesus Christ and his saving grace. It does not produce holy living, sold out, surrendered, separated Christians. Let me say home church doesn't work. There are people, I don't need to go to church. Well, apparently you do. Because they don't know a lot of scripture. Home church never has worked. Pretty soon it turns into no church, especially in the generations to come. Let me say dressing down does not work. The world's idea of raising children by letting them decide for themselves and not telling them no doesn't work. Oh, you can't spank kids anymore. Put them in timeout. I'll call it timeout, but it's not timeout. I use, uh, I've been picking on Dr. Spock, and he was a doctor that wrote a book that basically promoted not, not disciplining your children uh, or spanking them and not telling them no or being negative, but, but being positive and, and uh, all those kind of things. So I use Dr. Spock all the time. It's a nice, thick book, and it puts a, uh, <laughs> carries a lot of weight, all right? The world's idea of children raising themselves doesn't work. The Bible had it right. Brings their mother to shame. Let me ask, where has communism ever worked? Everywhere it's been tried in every form, it has failed and produced massive loss of life and liberty. Everywhere, China, Cuba, Venezuela, People's Republic of Congo, Cambodia, North Korea, every nation in the failed Soviet Union. Don't believe the lies of the media. Don't believe the lies of this world that socialism is going to work in America. No, it's going to do the same thing as done everywhere. Here's a simple question to ask. Does what you're asking me to do work? If it doesn't, well, don't try it. There's a lot of things that have been proven to destroy and not help. Last question here. Is it rational? Is it rational? Let me ask this question. Does it make sense? In Isaiah 118, the Bible says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Romans 12 talks about your reasonable service. Right? God is, is not, uh, not an unreasonable God. God doesn't just tell you to do things for no reason. Understand that God has reasons for why he has told us to do things, uh, the things that he commands. I believe and obey the Bible by faith, but I trust that God has good reasons for what he is asking me to do. Now, I may not always understand all of God's reasons, but I do trust that God has a good reason for asking me to do what he's asking me to do. 
understand that God is not unreasonable. Think about it. Is, is this even reasonable? Now, if the Bible tells me to do it, I trust God. That's reasonable. That's all I need because God is good all the time. God is in charge. God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. So I trust that if God told me to do it, then that's what I ought to do. I've got plenty of reason to put my faith and trust in him. Now, I may not understand everything that God has asked me, but I will understand more and more of God's reasons as I mature and grow in obedience to the truth. And I will see why God asked me to live that way. I'll say when I started into Christianity and surrendered my life and I started serving the Lord, uh, uh, I, I know way more now about why I have been taught the things that I've been taught and why that God has instructed me to separate from the world and why that God has instructed me to meditate in the word day and night. I understand it more by experience now. Let me say, there's going to be some things when you first come into the college here as a freshman and you don't understand everything. Well, just stay at it and keep working hard. And I promise that you'll learn more and more why that you're doing what you're doing. Let me encourage you. Everybody in here should know why you believe what you believe. And uh, everyone in here should have a Bible answer for when people ask you why you're doing what you're doing. Amen. I can tell you why we do church the way we do it. I can tell you why we soul win. I can tell you why I believe the doctrines that we've been taught. I can show you in the Bible. I don't need a full understanding to have faith in prayer. I can pray, but I, I do believe I've understood prayer more and more as I have been able to, to utilize it in my life. God is not against thinking. I don't have to have the reason. God has the reason, but God is not unreasonable. I just want to, to promote that to you. Anyone that tells you not to think and just blindly follow is most likely someone who does not have your best interests in mind. Questions are good. Understanding is good. The Bible promotes understanding and you should have a reason for why you believe what you do and do what you do. If you have no reasons, then I question what you're doing. Whether it seems right or wrong, get a reason. What's your reason for living? What's your reason for being here? What's your reason for doing the schoolwork? Why are you here? Where are you going? Those are questions you need so that you don't get shaken off course and find yourself a castaway. Everyone always wants to challenge the preacher. Hey, why are you doing this and teaching this? Well, my challenge is to them, why are you doing what you're doing? Why do you teach dress standards and music? And I've had people come to my office, why do you teach the King James Bible? Well, why do you use the Bible you use? And it's always a, a worldly reason or or, well, it's good for me. Dear friend, I'm interested in what works for the long term for generations to come. Let me, let me, let's go here and we'll, we'll be done. Deuteronomy 32, verse 29. The Bible is for thinking and using your mind. Deuteronomy 32, 29 says, All that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider, think about it, reason, consider what? Their latter end. You know, that's a reasonable thing to think about. Where does this end up? 
There are good, reasonable questions that you can ask. You know, some people would make fun of preachers when they talked about the slippery slope of gay marriage and how legalizing it would lead to worse ideas. In the very beginning, the sodomite crowd would say, well, it's just about loving who we want to love. But now transgenders are here and they're trying to force us to use their preferred pronouns. I mean, it's getting insane. They, them, z, zay. Have you heard that stuff? Uh, you know, my pronouns are he, man. That, that's what my pronouns are. Uh, he man. Uh, unfortunately, my adjectives are short and fat. Uh, but, you know, the Bible talks about consider where all this is going. Consider what that behavior in your dorm room is going to end, end up, where it's going to take you. These are just simple questions to ask. Is that biblical? Hey, is, is that natural? Something just wrong about it? Is that is that functional? Does it even work? Is that reasonable? Is that reasonable? Does it make sense? Where's that going to end up? These are simple questions, but questions that get you started to help you make good, fruitful, productive decisions on the right path in your life.